What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Here we go. Recorded live. Well, good morning and welcome to the Empress of Business. This is Joanne Forrester doing the thing that she likes the most, talking to you, talking about business, and talking about what works in business. And today, it's, it's a subject that people don't like to talk about, but having been in business uh, over over 35 years first, um Things happen. Misfortune happens. Accidents happen. Relationships uh, go south. They uh, they get disappointing. And sometimes we have to look at the ifs. What happens if? If we want our business to continue, we want um, to take care of our families, if we want to um, make a difference in the community, and we're still going through a negative situation, it does take planning. Um, many of you know that I, one of my careers, I was a, a counselor, and I have seen people work through their difficulties and work through the, the problems that the relationship had and build a stronger business at the same time. So this is one of the reasons I'm fascinated by Uh, our upcoming guest, who I've known a a long time, Diane Pearson, because you can make things better by smart planning. And even when bad things happen, we can make it better. And sometimes, surprisingly, you get along better once you you go through the hard times. So good morning, Diane, and welcome to the Empress of Biz. Good morning, Joanne. Thank you for having me this morning. You're welcome. Diane Pearson is a certified financial planner who is with uh, Legend Financial Services. And Diane, you have been in the field quite a while and you've been recognized for your expertise and your firm has. And I love your story. Would you tell people how you started? Well, it's actually been been a long road. Um, back in 1989, I was at that point hired by um, a fellow shareholder now at Legend Financial Advisors, uh, the president of the firm, Lou Stanisolovich. And I had been tr- working in roles that didn't deal with numbers. And my background as far as accounting and management, numbers have always fascinated me. And I took this position with him as a telemarketer and a back office type of a person. He he is also a certified financial planner, and I did a lot of back office work. And when Lou first interviewed me, he said, you know, I really want to start my own firm. We were working with a larger firm at that point. 
I said, fine, I was looking for a job, okay, let's go. So we spent the next five years building up our clientele, and then we did exit that firm, and we started Legend in January of 1994. We opened our doors. And um, we have grown to be, um, it's still considered to be a smaller firm, but we have received a lot of national recognition because our focus over the years has always been about education. We're willing to talk to the media, whether it's print or radio or television or talk show, um, to share the, the knowledge that we have gained over the years to make individuals better informed about some of their financial decisions that they should be making. So well, you do you do a unique approach, which which I like, is that you don't sell product per se. You really sit with where people are at and help design a plan that is based on their goals. Exactly, and um, actually, we were on the cutting edge as far as that goes. Uh, many of the listeners may have heard about the Department of Labor fiduciary rule that they're trying to pass. Um, and get financial advisors to all follow along with this rule. We have been doing this since day one back in 1994. We have not been selling products to earn commissions or trips to, to Tahiti or anything along those lines. The goal is to help the client achieve what they have set out to do. And so we're always sitting on the same side of the table, always trying to work in their best interest. And that's important. That is very important. And as a small business consultant, um, one of the things that I experience work well through my for myself, but also working with my clients, is that we're so interested in starting our business and making it work that the last person we take care of is ourselves and our family. Am I correct on that? A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That tends to be the last one. And, and actually, it's one of the most important things to address from day one. You know, um, individuals that are looking to start a business, now, especially if you're on your own, you know, if you're involved in a relationship, a husband, a wife, a significant other, you really have to take into consideration how much time and energy this business is going to take away from your relationship. Uh, and if you are going into a relationship with a business partner, that is a whole other, um, probably a whole other show <laughs> that yes. we can talk about the uh, the steps that should be taken. At, and I like to call it the I love you stage, the initial stage when you're moving into, your, you're in love with the thought process of what you're doing, the business that you're going into, the people that you're working with. But that's the perfect time to be planning. The honeymoon stage. Hmm? Yes. Yeah. I, one of the things that um, we do as um, the Empress of Biz, SI Business Associates, the mother company, as I call her, we work a lot with clients who are working to grow their business. They've hit a certain stage, so now they're at the stage that they're going to be hitting the million and plus annual revenue. Uh, things are they're hiring people and. Today, people are looking for things like benefits and protection. Uh, what what will this company, you know, bring to me besides a paycheck? And so that uh, I, you know, from the very beginning, I say, one, you owe it to your family, you owe it to your employees, uh, to take a look at this and include that in your overhead, your costs, 
and they just look at me and go, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. new thing. You have, um, because you've been in business now, what, almost 30 years, really? In this industry, yes. Yeah. Yes. Big changes. What, <laughs> we've been through a lot, you know. What What is the biggest change that you have seen uh, in your position right now? Actually, we have a few of them on the table. So this Department of Labor rule, and this has been going back and forth for years, uh, Really where it's dividing is those individuals such as myself and Legend and the fact that we act as a fiduciary. And the other side of the equation is the broker-dealers who actually earn commission, um, insurance agents who make commission when they sell products or annuities or insurance products. Um, The division between that aspect of what a financial advisor is, I think that definition has always been blurred. Um, you have mm-hmm. individuals who are tax preparers who say they're financial advisors. You have, you know, insurance agents. You have, and then we're sitting on this side of the table with a certified financial planner designation. We're acting as a fiduciary, and we view it completely different than everybody else. So that has been a, a big moving target right now. And then obviously the big conversation right about uh, tax reform. Those are two two hot items on the on the talk. Also, the um, technology. When you first started in, even though it was in the 80s um, and mid-90s, I I think you've seen a big change in that, too. Yes, I am still someone who can prepare a financial plan with a paper and pencil in my calculator. Uh, (laughs) What a girl. (laughs) (laughs) But those who are entering the industry these days, they've got all kinds of tools that they just ask the right questions, they plug the right numbers into the computer, and it spits out this beautiful plan. But going back to the day where we could do with the paper and pencil is I can still eyeball a plan and see where there's a hole, Um, Mm -hmm. even if the computer is trying to generate something. So unfortunately, I think some of that will be lost over the ages because you just – you don't know what's going into the back-end calculations and how they arrive at those numbers. I, I think so, too. I can walk into a, a business, um, and I've been doing some, having some young people around me, and I say, within 10 minutes, I know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at me like, but, 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 but. I says, okay, you know, we make a small wager. Let's see if I turn out right. <laughs> that life experience <laughs> brings a lot to the table. Well, the other thing was, you know, when we wanted prices of securities, we had to pull out the Wall Street Journal. There wasn't wasn't a, a, you know, a daily download that we were getting pricing on on every tradable security in the world. No, we had to pull out the paper. Oh, right, right. So you've gone through a lot of changes, and a lot of them are good. But, you know, I like people to really work from the ground up so they understand the decisions they're making uh, are based on um, not just uh, a computer program. So I, I'm glad to see you could do the pen, pencil and paper stuff. Um, you're on here for a very particular reason. And even though it's Thanksgiving, uh, the eve before Thanksgiving, the thing that, um, as I did with the opening, things happen, uh, whether you good things and unfortunately bad things. And the honeymoon stage sometimes ends and if you haven't thought about it 
it can be a disaster for the individuals personally, the business, and their employees. And this is one of the reasons I was interested in having you talk about this because um, as a former counselor, uh, and I wasn't a good divorce counselor, folks, because I just end up yelling at both of them and saying, get your act together and behave yourself. So sometimes that works, but that's not the best way sometimes. But um, this it happens. So you're, you, know, you are looking at um, a situation uh, of divorce, and you're doing a very specialized um, type of counseling. You're a certified uh, divorce financial analyst, correct? That's correct, yes. What does that mean? So um, a certified divorce financial analyst, um, I had actually gone through a training program which allowed us to be educated in all the the financial decisions regarding a divorce proceeding. What happened was a number of years ago, and in, in, um, I, I always touted the fact that our clients, we had really not gone through a divorce with a number of our clients. I figured that when people could sit down and talk about their money, they almost always could talk about anything else. So we went through an extremely large stretch of time where we didn't have any clients getting divorced, and then in one year I had three. Mm. I stepped back and looked at the situation, and I'm like, okay, I've been dealing with both of these individuals. What, what's going on here? But on the other side, as a professional, I had to make sure that I was handling the situation properly, that I was giving them both the right advice, or in certain situations we had to say, you know what, we can't deal with both of you because it's not acting in uh, the other's best interest. And I learned so much as I went through this certification as far as what I can and cannot do as a planner, how I can help the accountants, the attorneys, and the couple through the divorce situation, but also to try to eliminate the emotional aspect of the decisions when it comes to financial uh, assets. And unfortunately, businesses uh, and homes tend to be the two biggest sticking points in any divorce that I've, I've assisted with up until this point. Mm-hmm. So, okay. go ahead. Go. Now, I was going to say, so all of a sudden you had three clients uh, and you went and got the additional training. Um, and I think people forget that they not only have, unfortunately, the home situation, but the business situation. And they want to you know, you've got to protect your assets in that. So this is what exactly you do is, is get people to sit down and, and look at this and see how they can do this? Right, right. And it, of those three clients in that particular year, one of them was a medical doctor with his own practice, and the other, the second one, actually the um, husband and wife owned a business together. He was a minor, minority shareholder, and she was the majority shareholder. Um, the third one was just uh, a couple of individuals who were employees for, an, uh, for a firm. So it was, you know, thrown right into the mix there. And we had to evaluate with the medical doctor, he didn't have any other partners. And so the situation came down to, he had two aspects of it. One, um, he just bought her out from the standpoint of came up with a game plan from a dollar standpoint and over a certain number of years that he was going to pay her out for the share of the practice. And um, that 
that did end up working out well from her standpoint because she wasn't involved in the practice at all. She didn't have gainful employment, and actually, she was one of the she was one a spouse that hadn't had a lot of interaction with the financial discussions that we were having over the years. And she's become mm-hmm. much more involved and much more educated. I'm very proud of of who she's come since that time frame because she's really got her her arms around the financial situation. So that was probably on the easier side because we could evaluate the practice, we could come up with um, a dollar amount as far as the settlement. On the other equation where we had both a husband and wife that were involved in the situation, decisions had to be made. Were both of them going to continue to work there? If one was not going to work there, what what was going to be the outcome? And as you can imagine, the the husband being the minority shareholder did end up leaving the business. Um, Mm. And there were actually three other partners at that time, and they ended up paying um, paying him for his share of ownership, and there were other issues that were addressed in the in the um, divorce settlement as far as financials go. But you have to look at the stability of the company if one of those shareholders is leaving. How is that going to affect them? In this case, he was their financial guy, and mm. so they had to replace him. Um, but what if that person had been their top salesperson? Um, you really have to look at the structure of the business and how the um, the dissolving of the marriage is going to affect the business. I'm going to add something here because I'm looking at it from a cost analysis point. Um, in this case, fortunately, he wasn't their top salesperson, but he had a position that um, had to be fulfilled, so you not only had the cost of uh, buying him out, but you also had the cost of replacing him. So you add an additional burden to the overhead on the business. Exactly. And in addition to that, there's the the cost associated with the business having to get legal representation to mm-hmm. redraft their um, their corporate documents. Right. And that can be right. Very costly. And then. Yeah, and then if you have any group benefits, you have to, you know, I'm sure weave that through the uh, through the settlement note. Right, right. Was he walking away without health insurance? Was there a need for life insurance? Um, those types of things. Yeah, it's all part of the the equation in um, attempting to get it a a reasonable uh, settlement. And I like to use the reasonable because it's not always fair. Hmm. Yeah. This is not always fair. No, no, it isn't. It's it, it's not. Um, I haven't gone through that myself. I understand that. Um, reasonable, I can live with. The um, what exactly? The specialty, the training you got. Would you explain that more, please? So um, the training was actually through a organization called the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts. And they put together a program. There were three different modules that I had to go through um, addressing different types of issues such as taxation, legal issues, um, understanding assets. One of the big aspects of this is like dealing with pension plans because uh, they're not a clean type of an asset where you can just say, okay, here's 50% to you and 50% to you. There's a lot of special equations that need to go into calculating um, a pension. 
obviously business valuation, um, understanding the tax ramifications of a house, and the aspect of um, many times what we do is we see the low income earner or the no income earner wanting to maintain the house without potential for enough income to maintain the house. So how to deal mm -hmm. with that situation um, and looking at other assets. So you went through um, these three separate modules and then there was a comprehensive exam that you took. And then mm -hmm. I'm required to uh, maintain a number of education hours each year to continue to use the uh, certification. Yep. Often in, in a, a divorce, even uh, today, there is one person. It could be the male, or it could, and most often is the woman. But there is one who maybe was a primary bread owner in the beginning, and then as children came on the scene, and uh, as the business or the profession prospered of the other spouse, one steps back and takes care more of maintaining the home in that. That becomes a financial sacrifice for that person who does that. Exactly. And so that's another equation <laughs> as far as the fact, and many times what you do and have are situations where the one spouse will um, work to earn while the other spouse is going to school or trying to advance their education and give up on opportunities to advance their own career. Uh, and then they've, they're at a loss when the divorce happens because they didn't necessarily get to advance themselves and be at a level at the age that they are that they may have been able to attain had they continued with their career. So those are called, um, you know, those aren't tangible assets, things that you can touch, but they have to be considered in the process because there is a loss of potential earning that they could be having at this point in their life. They gave it up so that the other could advance their career. Right, and they don't see divorces happening. Or even if they become a widow, um, all of a sudden here is this, um, what you've been doing has been important, but now you all have to, you have to step in and be a breadwinner too. It can, it can be financially devastating. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women find themselves in that that stand uh, simply because um, they have been they're the ones that bear the children they're the ones that make decisions and uh, I'm going to be asked to testify next week at a state hearing about uh, the state of women and not being financially prepared and it is so true um, fortunately things have improved but we're not there yet. We're not there um, as a gender yet. Um, hopefully that will um, be something that in 10 years from now, it won't even be a talking point. Like, no, we're all treated equally. But um, I think it's going to take, take a while um, for us to get there. Yeah, and you're optimistic. You're saying 10, and I'm going, mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> Okay, maybe longer. <laughs> yeah, well, but um, I think it's it's generational, and as we have, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but as we have the generation of, let's say, 55 to 65 right now moving out of the business world, and they're, as they're moving out, we may be 
it may be viewed differently. Um, right. You know, I grew, I raised my boys in a household where I have been um, the primary breadwinner, and they have seen that, and I, uh, I feel pretty confident that what, however they choose to live their life, or the female that they choose in their life, that will not be um, even a question in their mind. Well, one of the things that um, when you look at a business, okay, um, if they start with you right, then everything's done right, <laughs> you know. But but that but doesn't, that doesn't happen. happen. No, <laughs> I get a call. Uh, I need a hundred thousand dollars to make payroll tomorrow. Oh, okay. And you didn't bother to call me. Yes, the two days before, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it didn't just happen. Right, right. It just didn't happen. When you sit down and look at a business, um, what do you do first? Okay, they, they've reached the situation. How do you work with them? So uh, are you referring to a business that is part of the divorce process or a business yeah. that's looking for planning? Well, let's start with the ideal, business for planning. <laughs> okay. okay, all right. So a business from a planning standpoint is that we are stepping back and looking, number one, probably at the structure of the business. Is it a sole proprietor? Is it a Schedule C? Is it Schedule C? Is it a C corp or is it a um, subchapter S corporation? Is it a limited liability corporation? So we're looking at the decision as far as what what tax entity was chosen, and then understanding why that entity was chosen. Was it for tax purposes? Was it for ownership purposes? How did you arrive at that decision? Are there um, partners? Are there shareholders? Um, is it a husband and wife? What is the structure of this? And then we do get into, you know, if it's a corporation, have you done your corporate minutes? Are you taking care of things from that standpoint? Are you, um, do you have a financial person that is handling the books? Do you have an accountant that you're working with? Or do you have somebody in-house? In have you set up the books properly? Um, that was one of our learning experiences. Our books were not set up properly in that first year, and we spent a lot of money mm -hmm. getting them corrected the next year. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that was, you know, a, a real life experience that we um, that we had. Also, legal representation. Many times, people want to do things on the cheap. We don't have a lot of money. We got to get by. But doing things on the cheap at the beginning can be very costly later on. So, uh, you, you know, you don't have to have a high-powered attorney, but you do want to have somebody who understands the legal ramifications of setting up a business and that you do it right the first time. Uh, and understand why they're doing it that way. Because a lot of times I've found my clients, well, my lawyer set me up, and I'm going, uh, and why did he do that? Well, he just told me that was the best way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you need your team to talk to one another too. So your accountant, your attorney, they need to be on the same page. Okay, this is being done for this reason. Um, and then when it gets into hiring or bringing on staff, that's a whole, um, a whole other equation as far as understanding uh, the ramifications from the size of your company and what your responsibilities are to the employees. Uh, how you're going to pay them. Um, some people don't realize that you can't just have a uh, 1099 employee 
who only works for you and doesn't work for anybody else, and they're they're really your staff. They're not. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then talking about em- employee benefits, um, seeing if they want to do something along those lines, uh, what do they want to offer, what are they required to offer, again, based on the size of the firm and how many employees are involved there. Uh, you have to know um, legally what you have to what you need to provide to them, and um, from the ACA standpoint, from um, the FMLA standpoint, you know there's there's rules and responsibilities when you have staff them staff members. So if you do it right, then which most don't, so that's why we stay in business. Uh, but then we come to the divorce, and um, I can see we could um, keep on talking about this. What do you have to do at that stage? Okay, we're thinking divorce. We want to keep the business. We want to protect our employees. What's your function then? So from that standpoint, actually, I'm going to step back to the beginning of, of a relationship as far as having partners or having uh, shareholders, is that you have some type of a, a buy-sell arrangement so that you have already outlined, and again, going back to the honeymoon stage, you have outlined that if things go south, this is how we want to handle it. So if there mm-hmm. is a divorce, do you want their spouse to be entitled to have a share of the business? Do If they pass away, do you have enough insurance to cover the cost of buying out the estate? If they become disabled, do you have enough coverage on them to... Um, provide funds for the firm to hire somebody else to act in their capacity while they're out. So mm-hmm. there, there's um, there's some things that you could do at the onset as far as divorce goes and, and writing up that buy-sell agreement to outline how you'd like to have things handled. But when you do get to the point of uh, divorce, if you haven't addressed those types of issues, you need to evaluate the entire company situation from a financial standpoint and say, okay, if we've got a husband and wife and um, the, they've decided that 50% of the firm is each of theirs and one of them is a primary um, owner of the firm, how is that going to affect? Do, we, do you just want to buy them out and have the spouse go away or do you want and have the capability of having the other individual own 50% of the company or whatever it might be and be involved in the decision-making of the company. Some mm-hmm. divorces can't handle that. Um, some some ex-spouses cannot work with each other. Some can. Some work better mm-hmm. together that way um, when they're not married. Their, their business relationship's great. It's just the marital relationship's not so great. So lots you of questions. have to Yes, go ahead. Yeah, lots of questions have to be asked. Definitely. Um You've been in business now since 1994, and, and we're wrapping up our time. And, and golly, we could talk forever. Um, what, what I'd like to know from your perspective right now, what is the number one thing a person needs to do for their business? First word that comes to mind is pre-plan. Pre-plan mm-hmm. for the devastation. So pre-plan for the disasters. Um, you know, in our industry, actually, the SEC requires that we have a disaster plan, and, 
and we go over it every year with the staff and we you know have alternative plans and we do do the little fire drills and things along those lines and you hope you never ever need them mm -hmm. but the minute that something happens you are so glad that you do so pre-planning is is my suggestion and and try not to skinny everything down because in the long run it may end up costing you more uh, amen. And I'm someone who had a fire, and um, we lost a significant chunk out of that fire because um, I'll admit, you know, it's, it's uh, we, uh, while we thought we had planned, we really hadn't. And I, I can tell you that uh, that was a very painful lesson. Uh, I'd love to have you back on, Diane. I can see that we could keep on talking forever. <laughs> <laughs> What is the best way to get a hold of you? So the best way to reach me is either calling into the office at 412-635-9210. Um, or if you want to learn more about Legend, you can go to our website, which is www.legend-financial.com. And that way you can also reach us through, um, through the Contact Us area there if you wanted to email us. Uh, let me, um, because um, <laughs> legend, and, and then that's the hyphen. That's the middle, that's the line right in the middle, folks, not at right the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Someone I know <clears throat> puts it. <laughs> so, not, and, not an underscore, a hyphen. <laughs> good, good. All right, and so, and your telephone number is 412-635-9210. And I can tell you, uh, folks, I have not known Diane for quite a while, and and she's quite dedicated uh, and knowledgeable and committed to helping people get the best results that they can have regardless of their situation. So I am just delighted that we had an opportunity to interview her. Diane, I want to wish you and your all a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to be in touch with you shortly. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for thank today. You. Thank you, Joanne, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and uh, to all of our listeners. Yes, and this is the Empress of Biz, Joanne Forrester. The best way to get a hold of her, I like people to talk to me, and that's 412-440-6969, 412-440-6969. We also have the website empressofbiz.com, empressofbiz.com. Dot com, And also we're on Facebook, and we always have a tip there for you to take a look at. So tune us in, and we're definitely going to have Diane come back and talk because there's a lot you need to learn from this smart lady. Thank you. Have a prosperous week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.